This is halfway mark for the preacher, that is. Um, it's good to see the, the house well filled again, and God bless you for coming. You know, I have a family. I know how hard of work it is, you know. Not every day of the week goes smoothly for a family, does it? And to come to revival meetings every night is, is wonderful, and thank you for doing that. And I had a word here on the board, and I, I looked at my list last night, and I realized that I gave you a little bit extra work, didn't I? <laughs> I didn't spell that word right, which is why we're doing this, right? I'll spell it correctly, and then I'll ask you the... Is that right? There we go. A little bit of dyslexia. All right, boys and girls. You probably figured it out anyway. So what can you tell me about this word? Didn't have any girls answer yet. Any here that have an answer? Speak up. Is it too hard to say? <laughs> Anybody? Yes. Yes, and what is that? A skilled worker. Yes, this word, this word has always interested me a, a good bit. And for one reason, that is Genesis 4.22. It says this, And, and Zillah, she also bare Tubal-Cain, an instructor of every artificer, in brass and iron. And the sister of Tubal-Cain was Nama. Just a brief little blip that we have in Scripture, and we have a man who started a Votech school. <laughs> right? He was an instructor of craftsmen. He was an instructor of skilled labor, you might say, and especially in specific fields. In this case, it says brass and iron. And this is Genesis 4, 22. You know, I don't know how much they knew back then, but they apparently knew a lot. And this man was an instructor. Now, it would be interesting to know how old he was and how long he lived and all of that, but we don't know. This word's used about four times, I think, in Scripture. Another place that is a pretty common place we run into it is when David was preparing all the materials for Solomon to build the, the temple. And it says they provided these materials to the artificers of stone, and I don't know what all it was about in that specific verse. But, in other words, skilled craftsmen were anticipating building the temple with all these materials that they had gathered together. So, yes, that's quite an interesting word, and, and thank you for um, being brave enough to, to say it. So, I have another one for tomorrow night, and I will check very carefully how I spell this one. <laughs> that doesn't look as scary as what it, what it is, so, yeah, it doesn't, uh, I think I got it spelled right. Okay. You figure that one out for tomorrow night. That's an interesting one. You'll, you'll like looking into this one. So I'll ask for your input tomorrow night on that. And God bless you for, for getting busy and doing that. It's, it's fun to see the excitement among the children and, and looking up those words. <clears throat> well, for a message tonight, I, I, of course, I had many options. What could you preach about on a Thursday night at revival meetings? You know, sometimes I feel like you know, Paul says it's the foolishness of preaching that saves souls. And sometimes it sounds very foolish to print, preach a very simple concept and message. 
Everybody's heard it. Everybody knows. But we're going to do that tonight. And I hope you'll be blessed. I'm going to ask a couple questions here. And I guess the first one, they may seem unrelated, but I want to ask these questions and get your response. What number forces us to make a decision? Anybody know the answer? What number demands a decision? Two. Two. Okay, keep that in mind. Number two. You can turn to Matthew 7. Tonight it's a very simple doctrine of the gospel. The number two. Two of what? Well, we're going to find out in Matthew 7, verse 13. Jesus is speaking here. We'll read verse 13 to 23. He says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree, good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven." Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. The sermon title tonight is Two Gates, Two Ways, Two Destinations. And that is a simple doctrine of the gospel that we must believe tonight. It's foundational to the gospel that there are only two gates, there's only two ways, and there are two destinations. And tonight, you are on one of those two. It's either or. It's this one or that one. And the question I have for you tonight is if you get to where you're going, where will you be in the end? That's a question we need to ask ourselves. If you get to where you're going, where will you be someday? Tonight, there is no middle road. And thank God there is no middle road. What if there was a third way tonight? Wouldn't we be so confused? (laughs) People try to make a third way. People try to make all kinds of ways. But the Bible says there are two gates, there are two ways, and there are two destinations. And I love the metaphor of this This gate and the way, the road and the destination here, um, it is a a nice metaphor to use. And so tonight, I'm going to preach you an allegorical sermon, somewhat. And I'll switch between an allegorical style sermon to doctrine out of the Bible and reading verses. So I hope you can get it the whole way through. And we're going to look at these two ways, these two gates and two destinations, And first of all, he says here, enter ye in at the straight gate, 
For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. My friends, tonight there is a broad gate. And the question I ask myself is, who can get through the gate? Who can get through the broad gate tonight? Anybody have an answer? Anybody. Right? Anybody can get through the broad gate. Anybody and everybody can find the gate. And anybody and everybody can get through. And he says here that the majority of people are flooding through the broad gate. Men and women, sinners and religious men, the rich and the poor, the famous and the obscure, Virginians, Pennsylvanians, Americans, Asians, Africans. All these people can go through the broad gate. It does not require any effort. And yes, by default, we pass through the broad gate. And that's what I want us to know tonight. In fact, this, I, I said before, this gate is so big and so broad that we don't even see the gate post. If we saw the gate post, we'd know it was a gate. But there's many people that do not know that it is a gate. Who is going through the broad gate? Well, who can get through the broad gate? Anybody and everybody can get through the broad gate. And what can I take through the broad gate with me? I can bring all my sins with me, can I not? I can bring my selfishness, my prejudice, my hatred, my lust, my intolerance, my bigotry. I can bring my good works. I can bring my religion. I can bring my self-righteousness, my idols, my position. You can bring your alcohol and your cigarettes and your drugs and your gluttony and your bad habits. You can bring your friends, your money, your houses, your businesses, your farms, your fame and your image. You can bring it all through the broad gate because it's big and it's wide. And you can bring it all through. There's no baggage limits. There's no size restrictions. And how do people enter the broad gate tonight? How do they enter this big gate? And you know, the underlying cause for those going through the broad gate is a rejection of Jesus Christ. That is how we get through the broad gate. And you say, I've never rejected Christ. Well, how do people reject Christ? Some is outright unbelief. They say, I know there, I do not believe there is a Christ. I don't believe there is Jesus. It's unbelief. And you have groups of people who say, I believe, but I'm not doing it. Rebellion. I won't believe in Jesus Christ. I won't obey him. And then you have the group of people who are agnostics. Well, maybe so. We don't know. You know, we're going to get through the broad gate that way, aren't we? Or you have the hypocrite who pretends like he's doing well. He knows Jesus, but inside he's not. He has rejected Jesus. And then we have apathy and lukewarmness. Just a casual, I don't care, Christianity. And you're going to go right through the broad gate if you have that kind of attitude. How about indifference? I know Jesus. I know the gospel message, but I don't care. And you know what? Tonight, indifference, I think, is one of the worst sins in the sight of God. More than even rebellion. Well, he says, I'd rather you be, Luke, rather you be cold or hot than lukewarm. And yes, you might say tonight, I've never rejected Jesus. I've lived a good life. Was well, that scriptural? Romans 10, 3 verse 10 says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all going out of the way. They're together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. No, not one. And so for us to say tonight 
That we're not, we haven't been in the broad way is not true. We have been in the broad way. The Bible says that all men, men have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we know that human nature is sinful from birth. And that is a reality. And if you have children here tonight, you know that. And we find ourselves in the broad way by default. In Matthew 5, 20, Jesus told the scribes and fire, or told the people around him, he said, For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. And let me tell you, ask you a question. What was the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees? It was good works. It was a strict adherence to religious form. And Jesus said, that's not what's inside of them. What did he say was inside of them? Dead men's bones, skeletons. How do people get through the broad gate? That way. Through their own good works. They were good people by their own definition. But self-righteousness tonight will not get us into the kingdom of heaven. And sometimes we can become pretty self-righteous, can't we? The way we live, and yes, we've got it all put together. But it'll, you're walking through the broad gate if we're living self-righteous lives. Yes, it's surrender to Jesus Christ that keeps us away from the broad gate. And the broad gate leads into the broad way. He says, wide is the gate and broad is the way. And yes, the way is no narrower than the gate. The way is no narrower than the gate. And we're just going to look at this, like I said again, in an allegorical way. What are our first impressions of the broad way? It's a super highway. There's millions of people going down this, this super highway and they're moving quickly. He says, many there be which go in thereat. The way is smooth. The way is unhindered. There are no restrictions. There is liberty to do whatever you want to do. You, want, you can live however you want to live. You can say whatever you want to say in the broad way. There are people laughing and talking and eating and drinking and playing and buying and selling. There's partying, partying, there's entertainment, there's nightlife, there's clubs, there's bars, and you name it, the list goes on. Theaters and stadiums in the broad way. And when we look at the broad way, it looks pretty glamorous, doesn't it? Why wouldn't we choose the broad way? It offers everything, doesn't, doesn't it? Well, David struggled with this in Psalm 73. I'm going to read a good bit of this because I feel like it's important for us tonight. Psalm 73. <clears throat> he says, truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride compasseth them about as a chain, violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness, they have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily, they set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore his people return hither, and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, how doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. 
They increase in riches. Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain. I wash my hands in innocency. For all the day long, I have been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say, I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then understood I therein. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou castest them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation? As in a moment, they are utterly consumed with terrors. And my friends, there is a man who looked at the broad way and all the fun that we can have in the broad way. And he said, my feet just about went out under me. And that is the warning for us tonight, especially young people. When you look at the world and the broad way, be careful that your feet don't slip because it's smooth and it's unrestricted and slippery. But like David, we need to take a closer look. What does a closer look tell us about the broad way? And I think if we take a closer look at the broad way, we soon realize that our first impressions of how glamorous it has been, and it is, may have been incorrect. And yes, it's a super highway full of people, but you know what else is in the broad way? There is loneliness. Among all the people rushing down the broad way, there is loneliness. There are people that are ignored, pushed around, kicked out of the way. Everybody is focused on themselves and they have no time for anybody else in the broad way. And that is the truth of the world around us today. Rushing down the broad way. And it looks like fun, but they're lonely. There are islands in the middle of the sea. Like the song says. The way appears smooth and unhindered. But we see people in the broad way becoming more and more weighted down with the distractions and cares of this world. Everybody's carrying a great deal of luggage. Are they not in the broad way? And yes, we notice that the laughing and the hilarity and the fun that they're having is like the crackling of thorns. It's brief and it's shallow. We notice that those who are talking have mouths full of bitterness and cursing, anger, lying and deceitfulness. Is that not in the world around us? Yes, it is. It's the broad way. Romans 3 verse 13 says, Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And yes, we can look in the broad way. The partying and the entertainment venues, they're packed day after day, night after night in an endless pursuit of fun and their lust. And they're never satisfied. Never satisfied. Have you ever thought about that? All the, the entertainment that this world can offer and they're never satisfied. Never satisfied. The theaters and stadiums are full of unhappy people Seeking for a distraction from their misery, a temporary relief from their guilty conscience and their unhappiness. And Solomon tells us with much wisdom and experience that the eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. And why wouldn't he know? Why wouldn't he know in the broad way? The way of the transgressor becomes hard, becomes hard in the broad way. And yes, that's the closer look at the broad way. But what about the reality of the broad way? What is the reality that the people rushing down have never understood or cared to know? 
Well, who serves on the highway department of the Broadway? It's the devil and his angels. They maintain the Broadway. They are the maintenance crew for the Broadway. And we see millions of people who are deceived rushing down this highway. Everybody's doing what's right in their own eyes. And yes, Satan is busy with his angels. There are prophets, it says here in Matthew 7, ravening wolves, seeking whom they will devour, deceiving whoever they can. And you know what's dangerous about the broad road tonight? The longer we travel on this road, the less likely it is we'll ever get off. That is the serious thing tonight. Sin will take you farther than you want to go and cost you far more than you want to pay. The longer you travel on the broad road, the less likely you will ever take an exit off the broad road. We're too distracted. We're too consumed with our own lusts and desires to notice much else. Unless by the grace of God, we see the exit sign like David did when he went into the sanctuary of God and get off the broad road. And where does the broad way lead? He says here, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction and many there be which go in thereat. My friends tonight, the broad destination is the destination of the broad way. The broad gate leads to the broad way and the broad way leads to the broad destination and that is destruction. Matthew 7, verse 16 and 20, we read those. It talks about the trees not bringing forth good fruit. They will be cast into the fire. That broad destination is hell itself. It's fire and we're gonna talk about it. And I like the verses in Isaiah 5, 14. It says, therefore hell hath enlarged herself and opened her mouth without measure and look what goes into hell. Think about this. And their glory and their multitude and their pomp. And he that rejoiceth shall descend into it. And the mean man, that's the rich man. And the mean man shall be brought down. And the mighty man shall be humbled. And the eyes of the lofty shall be humbled. Because hell hath enlarged itself. We can't see the gateposts. We can't see the edges of the broad way. And I don't know if we can see the perimeter of hell. Because it enlarges itself for whoever is traveling on the broad way tonight. Matthew 13 verse 41 says, The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Matthew 25 says that hell will be a place of outer darkness. And Mark 9 says three times that it is a place where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And I think in another place in scripture, it talks about the bottomless pit. And I, I don't know if you can get a picture of this destination. It's a bottomless pit, a free falling and outer darkness being consumed and yet not consumed with fire and where the worm dieth not. My friends, tonight, does it burden us that we see so many people rushing down the broad way when that's the end, when that's the destination? It's the dwelling place of Satan and his angels. And we could read those verses in Revelation. I'm not going to take the time to. But the serious part about the broad destination is that many people on the broad way do not expect this to be the destination. They're deceived. They do not expect to land in hell. Yes, maybe a few brazen ones do and they admit it. But for the most part, the... the Masses of the world go down the broad way and they do not expect to be in the broad destination someday. 
They have placed their faith and trust in something that they believe will spare them. And you can find all kinds of things out there. But the truth of the matter is that tonight, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ and you are not born again, you have entered the broad gate. You are on the broad way and the broad destination is in front of you. That is the warning for us here tonight. The broad way leads to the broad destination, the dwelling place of Satan and his angels. But Jesus didn't stop there. He didn't start there, I should say, in Matthew 13. He said, enter ye in at the straight gate. And then he talks about the wide gate. And then he comes back to verse 14 there. He says, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. And now we want to look at the narrow gate and the narrow way and the narrow destination. Who can get through the narrow gate tonight? Jesus says there's going to be some work involved getting through the narrow gate. In fact, in Luke 13, he says we must strive to enter into the narrow gate. And I think we, we tonight need to praise God that there is an exit off the broad way through a narrow gate. There is an exit off the broad way. Otherwise, we are doomed for destruction. And I, I know this week we haven't looked specifically at the, the gospel message as in being born again, but I hope you get the bits and pieces as we go through the week. But the reality is that we must be born again to get through the narrow gate. And those who respond to the Spirit's call in their life. In John 3, it says, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You won't even see the gate. It is the regenerating power of God or of Jesus Christ that it opens our eyes to the exit. To get off the highway, the broad way. You will not find the straight gate without the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. So we must be born of the Spirit to enter the kingdom of God. John 6, Jesus says, No man can come unto me except the Father which has sent me draw him. And so somewhere out along the broad way, there's an evangelist. There's a preacher waving a sign. Somebody saying, this is the way. And yes, that's where the foolishness of preaching comes in, doesn't it? Somebody standing along the highway saying, here's another way. Here's the off-ramp. And yes, the Holy Spirit moves in that kind of work and draws men to, to God himself. And yes, the gate is also Jesus Christ. John 10, Jesus says, I am the door. I am the entrance into the narrow way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And it's only through his blood that we can come through the narrow gate. And you know what? Who can get through the narrow gate? All of mankind can get through the narrow gate. Every nation, every kindred, every tribe, with acceptance of Jesus Christ, can get through the narrow gate. And how do people enter this narrow gate? This is the sticking point. How do you enter the narrow gate? And it's through repentance. That's why it's narrow. That's why you can't get anything through but yourself. <laughs> I hope you all read the Pilgrim's Progress. That's a beautiful picture of, of the, the story in a way. A narrow gate. Repentance is forsaking all the worldly things that we clung to in the broad way. My friends, tonight you cannot get off the broad way with all your luggage and all your sin and all the stuff in your life and get through the narrow gate. You're going to have to let it behind. You're going to have to forsake it. You're going to have to turn away from it. 
And yes, not even look back like Lot's wife did. You're going to have to let it behind to get through the narrow gate. All the things that you clung to. And we need to come to the foot of the cross in repentance. And the burden will be rolled off our backs. And we will be able to enter the narrow gate. And yes, people ask the question, what can I get through the narrow gate? People hear the gospel message today and they love it. Christianity has a wonderful gospel message. There's a man who was perfect and sinless and died on the cross for you and me and forgave us our sins. It's a wonderful message. But they have a question. What can I take along with me? What can I keep? What can I keep doing that I'm already doing? They have these questions, don't they? They like the message, but they have these questions. And you know what? The rich young ruler walked away sorrowful after he discovered how, how narrow the gate was. He walked away sorrowful. He couldn't give it up. He couldn't give up his possessions. And my friends, tonight it's the way of the cross that leads home. It's a crucifying of the stuff we own and the lifestyle I'm living and it's a sacrifice. And Jesus says that if you're not willing to give it up, you can't follow me. He says in Luke 14, verse 25, there was a great multitude with him. And he turned and said unto them, if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. My friends, tonight, I hope that all we own and all that we have in life is on the chopping block when it comes to following Jesus Christ. Because if it's not, you're not going to get through the gate. And I, we live in a good land and we experience blessings of peace and prosperity. But the day may come when our children or grandchildren face a decision to leave all behind and follow Jesus Christ. And today we need to be living a life that demonstrates that to them. That we are willing to forsake all for the cause of Jesus Christ. If we're going to lead them through the narrow gate and into the narrow way. It's important for us. And we live in a land of prosperity and affluence. And we are losing souls because of it. And it doesn't matter if the church calls someone to do something or if God calls them directly. There is resistance in our churches today to leave all behind for the sake of the kingdom. And that's what Jesus says we have to do. And a lot closer than our farms and our businesses and our money and our own family. And not many of us have given that up. And praise the Lord, we don't have to in many cases. But the gate is narrow. The gate is short. And when I picture it in my mind, we are stooping down and huddling together to get through the gate. Because there's not one single thing that we can take along that pleases our flesh and our carnal nature. It has to be stripped away to get through the narrow gate. And the narrow gate leads into a narrow way. And the first impressions we have of the narrow way is the very first impression we have is there's not very many people on the narrow way. He says there's few there be that find it. There's not very many people. It's not a super highway. It's not the Audubon. It's not the turnpike. It might be closer to one of your back Virginia country roads or maybe even like a trail in the mountains. I'm not sure. Picture it in your mind. It's not a super highway, and few there be that find it. And one of the concepts that we have to get in our minds tonight is 
that the majority is not always right. If we are not convinced of that, we will find no comfort in being on the narrow way tonight. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago that they said the sun went around the earth. It wasn't that long ago that they said the earth was flat. And you know what? It was the majority and they were wrong. We live in a Christian nation, but Christianity is not the majority religion. I can tell you that much. We are in the minority and the road is narrow. There are hills and there's valleys, there's curves and switchbacks. It's steep and it's rough. And yes, there are restrictions on the road. There are stop signs and there's warning signs and there's yield signs and there's do not enter signs and there's speed limit signs on the narrow way. Remember the people on the Broadway who could do whatever they want to do? Whatever they wanted to do, they could do. But on the narrow way, it's not that way. In fact, the Bible says there is much tribulation. In Revelation 7, 14, he's speaking of these people and it said, these are they which came out of great tribulation. And I want us to turn to Hebrews 11. I think it's important. What kind of people are we going to find on the narrow way? It is a difficult way. Hebrews 11. And we'll just start at verse 32 here. There's a lot in here, but we'll start at verse 32. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail to tell me of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David also, and Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trials of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us that they, without us, should not be made perfect. My friends, tonight, that is what can we can expect in the narrow way. And when I read that, I don't think our ways so narrow today, do, do we? You know, our Anabaptist forefathers went through that. And that was just a couple hundred years ago. Is a narrow way worth it? Is a narrow way worth, worth finding? Is it worth squeezing through the narrow gate, the straight gate, just to get on a road like this? At a first glance, there's nothing in the narrow way that would attract anyone. But what does a closer look at the narrow way tell us tonight? And on a closer look, we find something different. Yes, there are a few people in the narrow way, but there is something happening on the narrow way. There's fellowship happening. There's brothers helping brothers. There's sisters helping sisters along the way. There are words of encouragement being spoken. There is preaching of the truth on the narrow way. There is love. There is joy and peace and long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and faith, and meekness, and temperance. And you know what? There's no law against it on the narrow way. We said there's lots of restrictions, but there's no law 
against these things. And everybody has their focus on the Lamb of God, not on themselves. My friends, tonight, the narrow way may be hard, but what we have right here in this building here tonight is worth all the world to me. Do you realize how valuable it is? I've, I've helped people out of bad situations. We had a boy that came with us a couple years ago, and he had been through nine foster homes. I'm telling you, my friends, what we have in our congregations with fellowship, and I know sometimes it gets sticky, doesn't it, with fellowship, but we have more than the world ever has on the Broadway, ever has. Brothers and sisters in the Lord, encouragement, helping along, pulling along sometimes, pushing along. Sometimes we need it. Sometimes we're giving it. That's fellowship on the narrow way. That's the closer look. And yes, the focus is not on myself. The focus is on the Lamb of God. And we keep pressing on and we keep pressing on because Jesus is our focus. What is the reality of the narrow way? What does the Bible say? Well, the reality is that it is hard and it is the way of suffering. I'm not going to mince words here tonight that the narrow way is hard. Via Dolorosa, the way of suffering, the path that Jesus took to the cross is the path that he asked you and I to take. But is that all? No. The Father pours out his grace abundantly. What we have on the narrow way is grace to make it through. And so many times we face these struggles in life and, and our Christian experience becomes difficult and we want to give up. We want to throw up our hands and say, I can't do it. I can't do it. But God gives grace. God pours it out to the folks on the narrow way. It says in Ephesians 2, 6 and 7, and he hath, he hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. And yes, that is, that is the wonderful grace that he wants to give to us. What else do we have in the narrow way? We have security and safety in the narrow way. John 10, verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My father, which gave them me is greater than all and no man is able to pluck them out of the Father's hand. And so yes, the narrow way is hard, it's difficult, but we are safe and secure in the Father's hands. We're safe and secure. And yes, we can look over at the Broadway and we can see the people laughing and howling in their fun and their entertainment, but there's no security in their life because they're slipping and sliding down the broad way. What is the narrow destination? There is a huge difference tonight between the people that are on the broad way and what they expect out of their destination versus the people who are on the narrow way. Unlike the people on the broad way who do not expect to go to hell, the people on the narrow way have made it their hope and full expectation to obtain the glory and bliss of heaven. They are striving for a goal. And they know what it is. And there is nothing that will turn them back. And that is the difference between those on the narrow way and those on the broad way. We have placed our faith in Jesus Christ. And we are enduring as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. Otherwise, it's not worth it. 
It's not worth it, is it? To go through all the pain and suffering. I want to turn to Revelation 21. And we just want to look at the narrow destination. And it sounds bad to even say the narrow destination. It's the narrow way destination. Because it is a wonderful destination. It is, it is, we said earlier that hell has enlarged itself and I have no idea how big heaven is. We have some dimensions in here, but I can't even fathom it. You know, when we start thinking about how big and expansive heaven is. But I just want to read some verses about our destination. Revelation 1, 21, verse 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them, and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And I love that last phrase in Revelation. He said, Write, these words are true and they're faithful. What is this new destination? Well, it is the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven. And in, I like verse 4. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Yes, the narrow way, we encounter a lot of grief and a lot of struggle and crying and sorrow and pain. But the destination wipes it all away. Wipes it all away. And it's total and reverse on the broad way. You want to live life the way you want to? You end it in pain and misery and suffering. No more tears. Makes me think of a couple up our way that had a child born at 24 weeks and is between life and death. And the tears and the pain of a 24-week-old baby. And they don't know. And the last I heard it was alive, but I have no idea right now if that baby has survived. But in heaven, it'll be wiped away. He wiped away. No sorrow, no crying, no more pain. Let's turn to Revelation 22, chapter over, verse 1. And he showed me a pure river of water of life as clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. And his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face and his name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there and they need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light and they shall reign forever and ever. And he said unto me, these sayings are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servant the things which must shortly be done. My friends, tonight, a pure river of water of life. It is life. It is life. You know, we are to die to self here, but there is life to come. 
We can, we can appreciate, we can accept the dying here, can't we? If we know that there's life to come. We can accept the crucifying here if we know there's life to come. And it's a beautiful picture of our destination. No need of the night, or there will be no night there, no need of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light. These sayings are faithful and they're true about our destination of the narrow way. One more here, Revelation 12 to 17, or Revelation 22, 12 to 17. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that heareth say, come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. And there is the invitation tonight. I don't even have to give an invitation. The invitation is come. Yes, it's the narrow gate. It's the narrow way. But the invitation is come. You know, there are some people who choose the way and accept the destination. But tonight, we better be choosing the destination and accepting the way. Because it makes a big difference in the outcome. Deuteronomy 30, 19, he says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life. That, thou, that both thou and thy seed may live. Let's bow for prayer. <clears throat> Our Father in heaven, we come before you this evening, and as we look at the, these two ways in which we can walk this journey here on earth, Lord, I pray tonight that if there's any on the broad way, and that has chosen the easy way, that tonight could be an exit for them. Tonight they would see the hope of the destination of the narrow way, and Lord, I pray that before it's eternally too late, they would choose the exit. And Lord, I pray that they would find peace in their lives, that they would find your grace that is sufficient for the narrow way. And we thank you tonight for the blood of Jesus. And we thank you for his gift on the cross that can save our souls and that can help us on in the narrow way. And Lord, most of all, we thank you for this destination called heaven. We look forward to so much to being there and all, seeing all its glory and, its, and the environment of love and peace and comfort forever. Lord, we praise you, we lift you up tonight, and we just ask that your spirit would work among us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.